Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, again, my name is James Heron. I'm, uh, I am your missionary serving the peoples of the islands of Lake Victoria in Uganda. Uh, many of you all have prayed for the missionary. You said, say, Lord, bless those missionaries and the work they're doing. And so you've been praying for us and didn't know it. So now you see, I am your missionary, serving in uh, serving the southern, uh, the Illinois <laughs> International Mission, Mission Board, um, and we would like to say thank you as a church for all that you have done. Um, you supported these mission uh, teams. You supported your pastor. And they have been a blessing to us in reaching the peoples of the islands with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of your support of them, you have supported us. In reality, you have been a part of what has happened as they have had medical teams that reach a lot of people with a physical need also reach a lot of people with a, a, a spiritual need. And you have been a part of that. Some of you have been actively praying. Some of you have given monies that allow them to do what they have done. And that supported us and the people that we serve thousands of miles away. And you have given to this church and part of the, the offering that you give goes to the corporate program which helped international missions which helped us and we thank you for that and some of you are, you also give through the light and moon Christmas offering and that money helped international missionaries it helped us it helped our family and you and the, the thing you do most of all and more important is you pray for us. And we thank you for your prayer. We thank you for your giving. We thank you for those who are going. And we don't take this lightly. We do appreciate all that you're doing so that we can do what God has called us to do, and that is to lift up Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I draw men unto me. We uh, thank the Lord for you and for what you do. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you now for the time we have to proclaim your word. And we pray you use your word to draw us closer to you to love you, to serve you, to be obedient to you, and to share this good news that others may come to know you also. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. I prayed and thought and as I was thinking concerning what to say, how, and 
The book of Mark is a very, I love the book of Mark. And there's one story, one account, one uh, that really touched my heart from the second chapter of Mark. Now, Jesus in the book of Mark is a man of action. He is moving. Uh, Mark is so is so filled with action it doesn't even give a genealogy of Christ. Because it's written to people who that was an important thing. It was, it was written for the for the Roman mindset. And the Romans wanted a perfect servant. And you see, over 40 times the word immediate, that could be translated immediate, over 40 times is used in the book of Mark. And it's a small book. The Roman mind said, hey. I mean, they... They want to get to the point. Get to the message. And in in Mark, it shows Jesus to be the perfect servant. In Romans, in Mark 1, 28, in Mark 1, it, it talk about Jesus healing a man who had leprosy. Jesus had to send a God and the man was there and he he cried out the, the demons. This, this man had, he was demon possessed and he cried out to, to Jesus concerning you the, the Messiah. Now, all the believers, all the scribes and the Pharisees, they did not recognize who Jesus was. But the demons knew that this is the Messiah. The book of Mark also, the first chapter, he, he healed a man with leprosy. A man who was an outcast because of his disease. And when he healed this man with leprosy, his fame just spread. Uh, leprosy was a horrible disease and it left a person isolated from the world. And there was no cure. They had to cry out, Unclean. And Jesus healed a man with leprosy. And the word spread about him. Now the way I'm going to do this, I'm going to I'm going to present this like a like a, a play. And we're going to look at the main characters. And the first, the main character, we, we're going to look at the, the different characters. And, and the main character is Jesus himself. Jesus is the Son of God. 
Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus came for the sole purpose of redeeming us by giving his life as a ransom that we may be saved. He is the main character. He was born of a virgin. He is sinless. He committed no sin. But he took on our sin. That's who we talk. He is the main character here. And he performed many miracles. And Matthew 9, 20, 22, they brought to him a man who was, even this, this man, in Matthew 9, also a woman that suffered with a, a bleeding for 12 years, he cured her. Matthew 9, 37, uh, 27 to 30. Also in Matthew 9, two blind men cried out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And he healed them and gave them their sight. Jesus demonstrated he had power to demonstrate that this is truly the Son of God. And he himself referred to him, Jesus referred to him as the, the Son of Man. It, it, it related to his messianic title, the Son of Man. He used this title because it kept him from getting in trouble with the with the Roman government. But it got him in deep trouble with the religious people. So in chapter 2, verse 1, it said, When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So Jesus went to Capernaum. This is described as his own, he described Capernaum as his, his own city. In Matthew 9, 1, he said, My, his, his own city. Capernaum is located on the west shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this served as a base for his ministry. So Jesus comes to Capernaum. His fame had been well spread. And then verse 2 of chapter 2. We look at the crowd. That's another group. It says, so many people gathered together that there was no room, not even in the doorway. 
Now, when they heard that Jesus was in Capernaum, they came to where he was. They, they came to the house where Jesus was. And the houses in those days was not like the houses that we have now. They had a flat roof that was also used as, as a living space. And on the side of the house, they had stairways so you can go up to the roof. And here in this place, all these people were there inside the house, outside the house, because of Jesus' fame. Then the third party in this is the paralyzed man. Verse 3. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed... Okay, now first, I want you to get this picture now. There is a man who is paralyzed. He cannot walk. From birth. And I can imagine one of those friends knew that Jesus was there in Capernaum. He said, I need to get my friend to, to Jesus. Because Jesus can help him. And I can imagine him going to him and saying, you know, I need to get you to Jesus. He said, well, I'm comfortable in my bed. I'm... How are you going to do it? And I can imagine him saying, okay, I have a friend. And, and they come together and they take Jesus, the two of them. And as they go and they get to the house, they're carrying their friend. There's a big crowd. And they say, Pass. When you say pass, you, 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 get, you make a pathway. No one moved. They say, we want to get our friend to Jesus. And the people say, well, I want to see Jesus too. So no one allowed them in. And I can imagine that they say, okay, we, I, I can imagine the man saying, well, take me back home. It's not going to do any good. I can, I can imagine one of them say, okay, we, we're going to, hey, what about we take you up on the side, on the roof? And so they had to get others to help them. So they get some of their other friends. So the four of them decided that we're going to take him on the roof. And I can see them taking this man up to the roof. And Jesus was on the inside teaching. And they began to undo the roof. Taking the grass. Taking all the materials. And, 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 and we're from Uganda. And they use th they, their thatched roof. And I can imagine them taking the little towels, taking the, the thatch off. And as Jesus was speaking, all of a sudden a little, little debris began to fall in front of him. Just a little bit. A little smoke. A little dust. 
And then a, a little bit more. Maybe a little panel may fail down in front of me. And then all of a sudden, it gets bigger and bigger. It gets large enough that all of a sudden, coming down on two men, have one have a rope, this have a rope, that have a rope, that have a rope, and they're lowering their friend in front of Jesus. It took them some time. It took them energy. They had to exert themselves. And can you imagine you are the owner of the house and you look at your roof being destroyed? You say, who's going to take care of this thing? And here this man come down in front of Jesus. Those friends had absolute confidence that Jesus was able to heal their friend. Uh, they, they, they knew without any doubt that Jesus was able and that he would heal them. They had faith. So they lowered their friend. How much love do you think they had for this guy? They loved this friend. They knew that I need to get you to Jesus regardless of the cost. Regardless of what I have to do, regardless of the sweat, regardless of what I have to destroy, I need to get you to Jesus. Because Jesus is able to help you. Then we look again at, at Jesus. Verse 5 says, Seeing their faith, Jesus told paralytic. Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, I can imagine his friend may say, wait a minute. <laughs> he can't walk. He needs to be able to walk. Jesus looked beyond our physical needs. He knows our spirit. He knows exactly what we need. Sometimes you are praying and you're saying, Lord, I need this. He knows exactly what you need. And many times the thing you're praying for is not the thing you really need. You might say, well, if I only had a little more money, I would be all right. You know what happens? Say, say you say, if I only had $100,000 a year, I'll be okay. And the Lord bless you with the $100,000 a year job, and you would say, oh, I need at least $150,000 now. 
material things, you never have enough. Jesus knows exactly what you need. And, and many times the thing we're praying for, Jesus knows exactly what you need. And it's not some of those things you're praying for. You need, more than anything, a closer walk with him. You need more than anything to love him more and submit your life to him more. You need more than anything a fellowship with Christ. And he gives you contentment with what you have. So, so, so Jesus looked at this man. He said, your sin, he knew this man's problem was not that he could not walk. It was that he was a sinner separated from God. Then we see another group. Scribes and the Pharisees. They said, they were sitting there, they said, in their mind, they, they didn't say it out loud. You know, so sometimes it's good not to say out loud what you're thinking. And these men were they were they were good in that, but but they're dealing with Jesus, God in flesh. They thinking in their mind. They say right away, Jesus. They they think in their mind. Why do he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? They said he is blaspheming. And you know what? They were absolutely right. Only God can, for, can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. They were absolutely right on that. And so, we go back to Jesus. In verse number 8. Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit what they were thinking. Like this within themselves. And he said to them, why are you thinking? See, now, and this is another thing. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he didn't keep it to himself. You know what? Sometimes we have people, we know what they're thinking, we see what they're doing, and we keep it to ourselves. We say, I, I don't, we want to be politically correct. We don't want to interfere. So we'll see our fellow brother going into a, 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 a direction that's going to cause them problems if we don't say a thing. But Jesus didn't keep it to himself. He said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So he giving it, he, he giving it, which one would it be easier to do? To say your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your bed, and walk? Which one? Now, anybody can say anything. Anybody can say your sins are forgiven. 
you have no way of knowing whether or not they have been forgiven or not. And the understanding of the, of the Jews is that only God can forgive sin. And what would happen to prove that he is, that the sin has been forgiven is that they be healed of their condition. So Jesus understood this. He said, okay, which one is easy for me to say? Your sins have been forgiven or pick up your bed and walk. In verse 10, he says, But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. I'm going to, I'm going to do this to prove to you that I am truly the Son of Man. I am truly the Messiah that you have been waiting for. So I say to this man, I tell you, get up. Pick up your mat and go home. Now, what would happen if he said those things and the man remained there? What, what would happen if Jesus failed? First of all, it would, it would shatter the whole image of who he is. The crowd would slowly leave the house. In frustration. The scribe would say that he can't heal or forgive. And the four men would be having to take care of the roof and take their friend back. But that's not what happened. Because Jesus truly is the Son of God. Jesus truly had the power. Jesus had demonstrated his power many times. And before these scribes and Pharisees who said, only God can forgive sin, only God can heal, he said to this man, stand up, walk, take your mat, and leave. And the man jumped on the mat. He picked it up and he walked out. And then we, we, we look at, then you see also the crowd. They refused to let him in. They refused to make a way for these, for these men to take him to, to Jesus. But now, they just walked, they just made a way for him to walk out. And they were amazed. They never seen anything like that. I was uh, I've been in Africa for about Maybe a year. 
And we went to this, we were at this place, and this, there was a, a young lady who was sick with malaria. They were trying to find a way to get her to the mainland. There was no way, there was no boat, there was no way that she could get to the mainland. So the people called us, come and pray for her. And this girl was sick, really sick. And we prayed for her. It was about 11 o'clock. And about 5 o'clock, she was helping prepare our meal to eat. I never seen anything like that. God, I, I, I said, I never seen anything like that before. Amen. One day we were on our way to Allen's that we were coming to for the first time. And as we came up, there was a lady directing our boat to land at a spot. And when we got there, she said, I was waiting for you. What? Why, how, how were you waiting for me? How do you know we were coming? She said, I had a vision that you was coming. And that you had a message that you have for us. And we share with this, this young lady, and she received Christ. And she introduced us to the LC. And, and we began to develop the work and from that came a new church plan. This woman had a vision that we were coming and that we had some good news that we were going to share with her. I'd never seen anything like that. And these people rejoice and they praise God. They, were, they gave glory to God. We've never seen anything like this before. That's what a true friend would do. All they can to get the person to Jesus. So, what are we going to do with this? Now, I know that many of you are committed believers. You love Jesus. And sometimes you may find it very difficult to share your faith. We want to give you some tools to help you. Some of this, I mean, for some, this is, you're already doing this, no problem. But for some, you, you, you may need some help. One, one way you can can share your faith is by telling your own testimony. You have a testimony. You have something that Christ has done for you. You, you, you. you have your life before Christ. What was that life? And you can probably, I can describe my life before Christ as one 
of fear. My life before Christ was filled with fear. And you, you, you can write down, my life before Christ was a life of whatever it is. Whatever those things, whatever those sins that had you in, in, in Satan's grip, that is my life before Christ. I had this situation, I had this problem, I had these issues. Then number two, how I received Christ. What happened that caused you to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What event? With me, it was a, it was a revival. I grew up in a Christian home, heard the gospel many, many times. But at a revival, it, as if I had heard the gospel for the first time. And I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I turned from my sin and trust him for my salvation. And he came into my life. He saved me. And that's what happened to you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there was one day when you were lost. Your life was filled with sin. You had no hope. And something happened. You read the Bible. It Hits your face. Some friend truly share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You were at a revival service. You heard the gospel on the radio. Some kind of way you heard the gospel and you turned to Jesus. And then my life after Christ. Christ removed all my fears. All my doubts. I was afraid of the dark. Christ re- reminded me that he is the light of the world. I don't have to be afraid of the dark. I, I, I was afraid of, of storms. Christ said, Christ controlled the wind and the waves. He had control over the storms, physical and spiritual. He is in control. I was afraid of death. Christ raised people from the dead. He himself, risen from the dead, conquered death. I don't have to be afraid even of death. So what's your situation? And because of that, he gave me joy, peace, his presence. Now, and whenever I have problems, he's there. Whenever I fall, he's there to pick me up. Whenever I I, I find myself going back, he is there to call me back to himself. You have a story to tell. And you can share your story because it's your story. They may not believe in the word of God. They may not believe. They not believe in the Bible, but they cannot refute what happened in your life. And you don't have to be politically correct about that. You may not believe it, you may not understand, you may not, but this will happen to me. And then there's an easy way you can share from the Bible your faith. 
It is simple as A, B, C. Help the person admit to being to, to the need of a Savior. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I know some of you may have even more elaborate understanding and be able to share this. But this, if you need it, it can help you. Be, believe in Christ alone. John 5.24 says, He that hear my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come. Into condemnation. Then C. Commit to Jesus Christ. And you confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus. And will believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So you can use your testimony. And you can use. Uh, this simple. To help a person understand how they too receive Jesus. All this requires prayer. I remember being appointed. My wife and I, we were home missionaries. We left Tennessee and came here to Illinois to help start churches throughout Illinois. And we were in Illinois for 10 years. And I remember on the time that we were being commissioned, I was on an airplane going to be commissioned as a home missionary. And I sat next to a young, uh, the person sitting next to me on the flight. I spent my time from Memphis to Oklahoma. I think went to Tulsa. And I didn't share my faith with that person. Now, I, I, I did prison ministry. I preached on the street. I preached in and uh, homeless shelters. I did door to door, and I did not share my faith. And I, I, I felt so bad. How could I not share my faith with this person? And what's so bad about it? As I returned, the same thing happened, and that really bothered me. And I began to evaluate, and I came to the conclusion that I was not prepared spiritually, to share my faith. So I, I, I realized that you got to be spiritually prayed up. And so every time I go now, I begin to pray that God would give me the ability. To get, and, and I realized what happened. If I were to go to your door, knock on your door, and say, I'm from Darcy Baptist Church, and we are we trying to reach people with the gospel, blah, 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 blah. If they say, I don't have time, slam the door, I'll say, thank you for your time, and go to the next door. But on the airplane, I came to the conclusion on the airplane, I could not just say that, and, and they say, well, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I could not just get up and leave. And what I realized and understood that I, I began to pray for the person that's going to be around me so I could say at least, I've been praying for you for the last week. 
And that's what I began to do. I, I began to, to prepare myself for the person that's going to be there so that I can share with them the good news. Let me ask you, are you a true friend like these men were to that paralyzed man? Let me give you a test. Let me give you a challenge. How many of you all have Facebook friends? Raise your hand if you have Facebook. Okay, good. I know in your Facebook, many of you as believers, you have a lot of Christians in your Facebook. as your Facebook friend. But I'm quite sure there's some of those people you are not sure that they are believers. A true friend will make sure that those friends hear about Jesus. Suppose you were to take the people on your Facebook friend that you're not sure about their salvation and send them a, a private message saying, you've been my Facebook friend for this many years. Let me apologize for not sharing with you the most important thing. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and begin to communicate with them and begin to share with them what is most important in your life is your relationship with Christ. And if they come to know the Lord, you begin to disciple that person. The person might be far away. But then again, you have friends right now that you see, that you know, that you love. True friends. Make sure they know about Jesus. That's my challenge to you today. Let us pray.